Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports, local leader. sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, yeah. brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. We are at the turn here on the Burns and Gambo show, halfway home on this Friday. Let's get you caught up on everything going on in sports. It's the 4 o'clock reset. We had been talking about all day yesterday what his return would mean. The Suns faithful sure were glad to see Cam Johnson last night. Here we go, Cam Johnson in the house. And the fans let him hear how much they've missed him. 5.45 left in the I'll first quarter. He, he makes his first three. This crowd may lift the, lift the roof. Oh, they're ready. Johnson played great in his first game back. Double-digit scoring in his first five game minutes. He snagged one rebound. Finished the night with 19 points on 4 of 10 shooting. He was 9 of 9 from the free throw line in Gambo. The Suns beat the Nets. 117-112 to end their three-game losing streak last night. Yeah, it, it was a much-needed win and a shot in the arm to get Cam back. And he did hit his first three and raised the roof right Right there, and then he missed a shot. Then he hit another three, and then he had a mid-range jumper. And he hit two free throws. It was like, oh man, it just felt so good to watch him play. And 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 you just you know they've been so short-handed. And look, they're still short-handed, but just getting one guy back made a difference last sure night. Did. Just one of your key players back. I mean, they've been bringing a knife to a gunfight for a long time now. So to get him in that lineup and 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 let him do what he does was uh, it, it was great. Another and and I think in many ways I think so many of the play, DeAndre Ayton played well. Mikael yes. played well. Saban Lee played well. You know, Dario picked up uh, some quick fouls, but he, you know, there are guys that really I think that getting Cam back in the lineup I think it, it ignited other guys to play well. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, DeAndre ended up with 24 points, 14 rebounds. Mikel Bridges, 28 points, tied a career high with nine assists. Saban Lee, uh, his 10-day contract expires today. More on that from you in a minute. He had maybe his best game as a professional, 15 points, six assists. Played almost the entire fourth quarter, had only one turnover in the fourth quarter. He was very, very good. And so good, apparently, he'll be around for at least another 10 days, right? I'm expecting from what I'm hearing that they will. Uh, they The plan is to keep him, to give him another 10-day contract. They've liked what they've seen out of him. We know he's he's had starting point guard experience. Uh, they like his fearlessness. You know, he's not afraid to take the shot. Um, and the expectation, from what I'm hearing, is that the Suns will uh, will extend him with another 10-day contract. Yep. Meanwhile, last night, Matt Ishbia, the incoming Suns owner, was at the arena watching courtside. Sham Sharania, earlier today on Bally Sports, talking about how his impending arrival impacts the Suns with a deadline less than three weeks away. We're 20 or so days away from the NBA trade deadline, and I'm told since Matt Ishbia and, and his announcement that he's going to take over the Suns' ownership has come out, uh, the Suns have actually informed teams that they're willing to move a first-round pick and, and potentially take on salary long-term for good players and winning acquisitions. So to me, you're starting to begin to see the influence of the Matt Ishbia, Justin Ishbia or, you know, regime and organization uh, and leadership under their ownership. You're kind of saying this is not necessarily new news when it comes to the Suns, though. No, this is something that James Jones has mentioned in the past about, yeah, for the right guy, if we can get a good player, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll add salary, we'll give up a draft pick. Sure, of course. I mean, it's, you know, that's something that they would be willing to do. And they've talked about that in the past. So that was kind of a long time ago where they did talk about that. Look, would they be willing to give up a, a first round pick that's unprotected? 
that type of player may not become available. So, you know, that's something you gotta you gotta look at. I think that the Jay Crowder thing is checked on it today. Status quo, nothing closer, no move, you know, is is, is imminent with Jay Crowder. I, I don't think Toronto's in play for the Suns with some of the names that have been bandied about there. So, you know, they're gonna get their guys healthy, they're gonna trade Jay Crowder. It just may come closer to the deadline. The Arizona Cardinals continued their coaching search today. According to reports, their interview of Broncos defensive coordinator Giro Aviro was today. And apparently the interview for Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, Gambo, is going to be tomorrow. Yeah, get all these interviews in place. They've already interviewed, what, Frank Reich and Vance Joseph? Yep. And we do not know about Sean Payton. The only thing we know with Sean Payton is that he his interview with the Panthers has been delayed because of a death on a player from the from the the soccer team that Tepper owns. Mm-hmm. So that has been postponed. I think they're going to get to that interview eventually. But we do not know at this point whether Sean Payton's going to interview with the Cardinals or not. Just that that they had asked for permission and were granted it. So we'll see. But again, leave no stone unturned. Interview as many people as you can before you make a hire. Yeah, there's been no word on a scheduled interview with Brian Flores. Just that permission had been requested and I, I saw a tweet about an hour ago suggesting that you know D'Amico Ryans and, and I'll probably ask Mitch to pull this sound so we can play for you a little later he did a media scrum today and he said that there's no conflict for him in terms of interviewing for these jobs while preparing the 49ers to play as well according to reports he will interview with the Cardinals sometime before the 49ers play the Cowboys on Sunday so he's another guy with a scheduled interview for the Cardinals and according to multiple reports that interview will happen before Sunday's game with the 49ers. Playoffs are coming up. Uh, you've got the games tomorrow. The Chiefs are hosting the Jags. The Eagles are hosting the Giants. And then on Sunday, it's the Bengals visiting the Bills and the Cowboys at the Niners. There is news out of the Bengals game. Left tackle Jonah Williams and right guard Alex Kappa have officially been ruled out. Cincinnati will not have them on the offensive line, which means three reserves on the offensive line for them as they go up against the Bills. And, and that's why I know you like the Bengals and the Bills didn't play very well, but being without three offensive starters, Collins, Kappa, and Karras, oh man, that's gonna that's just going to be rough. That is going to be rough for them. Now, Collins, he... Um, week 16, he went down. So they've had some time to kind of play without him. Yep. So we'll see. I mean, Buffalo's going to get after Joe Burrow in this game, and that could ultimately decide who's going to win. Yeah, I, I I know that that is a handicap, certainly, when picking this game. I, I still, It's more of a feeling than anything else. In the last segment, we talked about college basketball. ASU's lost last night to UCLA. 5,200 students showed up. That set a record for Desert Financial Arena. Then, of course, 11th-ranked U of A. They beat Southern California 81-6. to I want to focus, though, on the ASU football news. You are reporting that five-star quarterback Jaden Rashada is visiting ASU today. Right now. Right now. Right now. He's there right now. So I think think at 4 o'clock... Was the uh, was the meeting? So, um, yep, he is meeting with them today. I believe it was four o'clock. Was the meeting was scheduled at the ASU facility? So, five star quarterback out of California, originally committed to Miami, then Florida. There was a big, big NIL deal that apparently fell through, mm-hmm. and so he got released. And now, uh, yes, at ASU, meeting with the coaches today, and we'll see if they've got a shot to land him. He, his dad, played defensive back at ASU. Uh, Kenny Dillingham recruited. Rashada when Dillingham was Oregon's offensive coordinator. So there are some connections there. We'll see if they are able to land them. And this one, probably not a surprise.
Primetime Deion Sanders flipped the top cornerback in the nation, Cormani McLean. He decommitted from Miami. He is now committed to Colorado. Yeah, you know... <laughs> I kind of would wish he would have went somewhere else because I think Deion Sanders is going to get that Colorado program, you know, back on back, you know, towards the top very quickly. He by is, bringing in good players. He is the highest ranked recruit Colorado has brought in since ESPN started ranking players back in 2006. He's it's crazy. He's the third ESPN 300 prospect in the 2023 class for Sanders. This is exactly, and it's the second five star guy that. Sanders has flipped in his time as coaching. He got Travis Hunter to switch from Florida State to Jackson State back in 2022. So, yeah, we might, for as, as, as much fun as it might be to see what Prime does there in color, we might rue the day that Deion Sanders ever took the Colorado job if he gets kid after kid to go up there. It's it's definitely yeah. something to keep an eye on, right? I've had some, listen, they've had great players in the past. I mean, Eric Bieniemy and um, um, they had, uh, who was the, Cordell Stewart? Sure. Was there yep. and uh, Michael Michael Westbrook was there. I'm just trying to think of college players. Rashawn Salam. I mean, they've had some good players over the years. Dion's going to get a lot of good players to go play for Colorado. Has been a while. And then this news from baseball: Hillsboro Hops named Ronnie Gajownik manager today. She is the first female skipper at the high A level and second overall in all of minor league baseball. She joined the Diamondbacks organization before joining the Diamondbacks organization. She was an assistant at the college level at both Liberty University and UMass. She won a gold medal at the 2015 Pan American Games for Team USA. So the first high A skipper in baseball and the second female manager overall in minor league baseball. And that is for the high A affiliate for the Diamondbacks in Hillsborough. This is good. I'm starting to get the feeling that women should just rule the world. So <laughs> I don't think you're I'm, wrong. Seriously, I'm, I think I'm all for it. Uh, other I'm base- totally for it. Other baseball news quickly. Araldis Chapman, one-year deal with the Kansas City Royals, Gambo. Yeah, not a lot of money. Um Three point seven five million. What a failure he was for the Yankees this past year. But he was—he's been a great closer in this league for a long time. He'll go to Kansas City on a one-year deal and try to get his career back on track. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, that was necessary. Felt real good. The Suns beat the Nets. Kind of got the bad taste of the last couple weeks out of the mouth. Does that mean they're back? Question mark. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Three and a half seconds left. Kyrie Irving set to inbound, gets it in for Claxton. He'll dribble it out, and that'll do it. Suns win. 117-112 the final. They end their three-game losing streak and picked up their first win at home in a month. Uh, All right. Everybody just breathe. Everybody just take a nice, deep breath. Okay. We can, we can reset things a little bit with the Phoenix Suns. Not Let's reset. Yeah. Not everything's perfect. Not everything's great. I'm not going to sit here and say that oh, all's well because they beat the KD-less you know, Brooklyn Nets on Thursday night. But I think last night we saw potentially what the impact of getting guys back can have for the Phoenix Suns. Because, I mean, no disrespect to Cam Johnson, he's not even the most important guy to get back for the Phoenix Suns. He's one of them, but he's not the most important guy. It was very obvious, Gambo, I thought, from the jump. When Cam Johnson came into that game, emotionally, the lift that it provided for his team, it was clear and obvious and present to 
everybody who was paying attention to that game last night. I think in some ways, in watching the game and seeing Cam Johnson, and the first shot he took was a wide-open three-pointer. If it would have been Book that came back without Chris Paul, without campaign, without Cam Johnson, without all the players, I think it's a lot easier for a team to say, okay, I'm going to drop Devin Book every time he gets the ball. I'm not going to let him beat us. They got nobody else. Let him pass it to Ish Wainwright and Saban Lee and Bismack Biombo. So I think in some ways getting Cam back first, not you know, and I understand what you're saying. He's not the most he's not the most important player, but I think getting those other guys makes it a, a little bit easier than. You know, because the team's not saying, "Oh my, I'm going to I'm going to guard Cam Johnson. I'm going to double him every time he gets his, gets the ball." Um, he's a, Cam is a very very important piece. But if Book comes back with all those without all those other guys, it it, it becomes very very difficult for Book. There's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, Cam was terrific last night. 22 minutes, 19 points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal, two blocks. Um, there was I don't have the audio of it, but Dwayne Rankin's Twitter account he covers the Suns for AZ Central. Um, question to Mon- after the game. What was your initial minute restriction for Cam? Answer, I'm not saying. Did you go over it? Next question. You put him in there late. Yeah, we were. Next question. Monty did not want to have any kind of conversation about because at the end of the game, I, I, I think they'd said on the TNT broadcast that Cam Johnson's minute restriction was about 16, maybe 17 or so. They needed Last, a win. Yeah, and that, that's, and I tell you, that's exactly it. I think Monty not answering the question, and I don't care whether he answers it or not. It's not about that. I think Monty not answering the question, it's like, by playing him beyond his minute restriction, Gambo, you're so right. They needed that win so bad. There, You had to put him back out there in the final four minutes of that game. You had to. You didn't have a choice. Yeah, well, you had a big lead, and then they came back, and they cut it to five a couple of times. Look, I think you could tell by how they substituted early. Now, Dar- Dario picked up his third foul, and, and that was and so he was the first sub was Ish Wainwright coming in for him, but that was because of foul trouble. The next sub was Dwayne Washington coming in for Dam- Damian Lee, and then Cam Johnson came off the bench. 5.45, Mark comes in for Torrey Craig, plays really well. Second quarter, he doesn't come into the game until, look at my notes here, 4.41 for Damian Lee, comes in at 4.41. So I think they had a plan. You know, they were going to play him, you know, four or five minutes, you know, in, in, in the quarters that he played. They weren't going to keep him out there for seven or eight minutes. So, so the first quarter, they got him, got him a nice little run. Second quarter, got him a nice little run. But you're right. So at the end of the game, it's like, hey, you know, we got to win this basketball game. D.A. came up with some big baskets for them. They got um, some terrific defensive stops, which I think is the reason why they won the game. And one of them was, uh, was Cam stealing the ball from Kyrie mm-hmm. and then Cam poking it away from from Kyrie and Saban. So if you look at it, we talk about you know Cam coming back. I thought the the back to back to back turnovers that they forced on the Nets is what won in the game, and two of them had Cam Johnson making big plays. Yeah, he was right in the middle of that, and and I thought just the emotional boost that he gave. Um, Mikel Bridges played, and it's not that he's uninspired. He's actually his numbers over his last six games have been really really good. I know that it hasn't translated into wins, but man, Bridges' numbers have been good. Individually, he tied a career high with nine assists. He was basically the de facto point guard out there for a big chunk of that game. He scored 28 points. I, I thought, you know, for all of the talk swirling about DeAndre Ayton, and a lot of it's been deserved with his level of play not rising to the occasion over these last few weeks, I thought last night, man, they made it intense 
knowing they were going up against a smallish team, knowing they were going to be able to, you know, kind of lazy on the switches and create mismatches for DeAndre Ayton. They fed him early. They fed him often. 24.17 in the first half. Uh, 14 rebounds. Nine in the first half. Kind of lost his touch in the second half. He missed a bunch of shots that he, like eight of his first nine shots that he took in the second half. But it was very obvious they were going to get DeAndre Ayton very, very involved in last night's game. And it worked. And I'll tell you, low-key, the other guy to talk about, I know you've got some news about him, Saban Lee, on the second to the last day before his 10-day contract expired. That might have been his best moment as an NBA player last night, what he was able to do. What he did... Third quarter, I thought he was terrific. Driving layup made it 85-69. Then he had a steal that led to a fast break dunk by him off a backhanded pass from Cam Johnson. It was a great play. <laughs> then he had a driving layup uh, to make a 90-71. And, and I know Reggie Miller said something on a broadcast about how career nine, earning the trust, and uh, just terrific. I mean, just terrific run by him. And, yes, I'm expecting the Suns to, to, to give him another 10-day contract. They've really liked him. They've liked what they've seen out of him. He's not afraid to take shots. Fits right in chemistry wise. They've been very impressed with him and so I do think having that extra guard, especially you know when Chris and Cam come back, it gives you another luxury right there if you want to limit their minutes because you've got a guy that you have some faith in right now that can handle the ball. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's had games where he scored more points. I'm looking back at his rookie year with Detroit. He had a 21-point game. He had a 20-point game. But to be out there virtually the entire fourth quarter, to have one turnover the entire game, and I, I tell you what he he brings he brings something that 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 aggressiveness in which he slashes to the rack and and creates things off of that was really a lot of fun to watch. Now we've seen you know similar kind of spurts, maybe in a different style, but for like Dwayne Washington, where he'll have a great game, he kind of carries the Suns, and and maybe Saban Lee is going to be in that category where you can't count on every single game every single night, but he'll give you like these moments. For right now, though, this is this is where the Suns are. And it's 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 interesting that he's signing a second 10-day contract because I really wonder 10 days from now what this team is going to look like, right? Because this 10 days from now, you're into February. 10 days from now, you're 10 days closer to getting Devin Booker back. Who knows? He might be back. Cameron Payne might be back by then. When this second contract from Saban Lee runs up, you might be right on the doorstep, if not already there, of having your team back and whole. And then it's go time. You just got you got six games until then. You just got to play 500 basketball until then. And if you can do that, you're set up maybe to go on a little push over the last 30 games of the season when you get all your guys back. Yeah, and they, they've got a big game tomorrow. And you know now you you know you look at the standings in in the West and you look where Phoenix is and they're they're one spot out they're a half a game out of four teams <laughs> that's how close it is the, the Suns have uh, twenty four losses Minnesota's got twenty four the Clippers have twenty four the Warriors have twenty three and Oklahoma City has twenty three so there's four teams that are ahead of them by a half a game right now um, so you know you go on a little bit of a run you could easily see them getting. You know, into like that sixth spot. Uh-huh. You know, the Jazz are twenty four and twenty four, so they're only one game out of being in the sixth spot. Right now, they're out of the playoffs. It is crazy how bunched up it is. Yeah, it is nuts how bunched up it is, and and I think if it's. 
getting everybody healthy, but it's staying healthy. That is just as important as getting everybody back is. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. It's really simple. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You won't miss any of the shows. It's the Burns and Gambo Show. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. We talked about the games in the NFC earlier. On the other side, some sneaky teams in the AFC. We'll get to that next. Burns and Gambo Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My favorite football weekend of the year, four games. Not all of them are going to be great. Not all of them are going to be close. But I always find like this is the big kind of like last hurrah. Because after this one, we just have three football games left in the season. And then it's done. It's crazy. It's already almost over. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. Let's turn it back over to Eric Ruby here on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Scott Rubes. I'm glad it's your favorite football weekend of the year because that is what our Twitter poll is about. The divisional rounds going on in the NFC and AFC this weekend. You got the Cowboys taking on the 49ers, the Giants taking on the Eagles in the AFC. You've got the Chiefs taking on the Jaguars and the Bills facing off against the Bengals. I'm asking y'all who you got moving on. We've got two different poll questions out there now. One AFC, one NFC. So we'll just try to keep it simple here and pick the four teams that we think are going to advance. It's kind of spans over two questions. Gambo, you've got upset city in the NFC, right? You still sticking with that? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. And I really like the way that they played, although I probably shouldn't put too much credit into it. They played a terrible football team. They did. Um, San Francisco really did struggle with Seattle for a half. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I just think that uh, I think that they they played well enough, and you know now it's up to it's up to Brock Purdy to win a game. I like San Francisco's talent, uh, and I do like Purdy. I really do. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys, and then I'm going to pick the Giants, and that's more heart than it is head. But I do have to wonder when you know the Eagles haven't played a really good game in a while, mm-hmm. and Jalen Hurts had been hurt, and you got to question whether that shoulder's right. So I'm going to go with the Giants as well. And then the AFC, you've got chalk, right? You've got the I got chalk. I think okay. yeah. I mean, I can't I can't pick Cincinnati with those you know those injuries to the offensive line. I just don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen. I got chalk in the NFC. I got San Francisco and the Eagles and. But in two games, they're going to be close, I think. I've got the Bengals upsetting the Bills because I'm, I'm starting to have some trust issues with Josh Allen and the turnovers. And I got Kansas City win fairly sizably over Jacksonville. What's our audience say? In the NFC, Chalk is leading, same in the AFC, but 66.7% choosing 49ers and Eagles to be the two teams moving on. Continuing in the NFC, 17.6% think it'll be 49ers-Giants. 9.5% think it'll be Cowboys-Eagles. 6.2% saying Cowboys-Giants. So the Cowboys not getting any love in that poll. Over to the AFC, Chalk wins at 59.5% in first say Chiefs-Bills. Closer one in second place, though, 33.9% going Chiefs. Chiefs Bengals, 3.7% going Jags Bengals, 2.9% going Jags No one's going Jags. All right, so we looked at the NFC earlier. Let's look at the AFC. Probably the, in fact, not probably, the worst game of the weekend on paper is the Jags visiting Kansas City. Chiefs are well-rested. They're a juggernaut. The Jags had to rally from a 27-0 deficit. They're the first game to be played this weekend. Tomorrow afternoon, I believe at 3 o'clock in the afternoon is when that game starts. 
starts. Not a lot of people, since we're focusing on the AFC here, Gambo, not a lot of people giving Jacksonville a lot of love. You can see you know, why, obviously, with that Kansas City offense and the way it's rolling right now. If they're going to make hay, their defense probably has to pressure the heck out of Patrick Mahomes, and that's been really hard to do this season. Yeah, and there's some you know numbers for Andy Reid on you know coming off of a bye and and having you know time that you know he, he's he's unstoppable and he has his team ready and prepared to play, and so I think that's going to be a big thing too. I mean, Kansas City's rested, the Jags played a hard fought, crazy emotional game, so I. I think when it comes down to it, I just think that you know you, you're not going to bet against Andy Reid, and I, I hope the Jacksonville Jaguars do beat him. <laughs> I do. I could. Uh, I'll pull for that. I'll pull for the for the Jaguars winning that game. I think that would be great. Um, great upset. I think it would be great for football. It'd sure. be a shocker. Like that would be the biggest shocker of all is them winning that game. I mean, the Jaguars being here is, you know, some ways kind of like you know what we saw in the in in the playoffs with TCU being there. Like, what are you doing here? Can you imagine Jack? Jacksonville playing here in the Super Bowl in a month. I hadn't really even thought of it like that. That would be that would be nuts. That would be insane. One number stands out to me in particular. Uh, Jacksonville's defense. Um, one of the worst in the NFL in third down defense. One of the worst in the NFL against the pass this season. In particular, they struggle really badly with covering wide receivers in the slot and covering tight ends. Man, if that is not a recipe for disaster against Travis Kelsey, See Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, wow, for all the things for you to struggle against, that's the team you got to play in the first round. Um, an upset would be fun. It's just hard to see it happening here with this one. The other AFC game is on Sunday. It's also the early game on Sunday, and that is when the, the, the game that we were supposed to get a couple of weeks ago in the regular season, but then obviously DeMar Hamlin and that frightening moment on the field, basically in essence canceled this game. Uh, the Bengals visit the Bills in a game that starts at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. This one should be very well could be the game of the weekend in the NFL. This one pro- yeah. I think promises to be great. Yeah, if you take out the few minutes they played in the DeMar Hamlin game, I mean, they haven't played each other. You know, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, those will be the first meeting in a, in a full game. You know, both teams ranked in the top eight in the NFL in points per game, offensive yard per game, passing yards per game. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, Joe Burrow has uh, done a really good job against non-AFC North teams. Really, really good. 287 yards per game, 23 touchdowns to just three interceptions. And Josh Allen against non-AFC East teams, 250 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, but Josh Allen, the, you know, the key for Cincy is that Josh Allen's been a turnover machine. Yes. He's got the 16 interceptions. He's also lost six fumbles. I mean, that's the most turnovers by any quarterback in the NFL this year, 22 turnovers. So that's what, that's how you have to win the game. If you're Cincinnati, I think I think you're gonna have to 
get those turnovers and get that field position and turn them into points. No, there's no doubt that that's what this is going to be about. Um, these are two teams on crazy win streaks right now. Bengals have won nine straight. The Bills have won eight straight. Uh, it's like the seventh time ever there's been a playoff matchup between two teams on winning streaks that long. And it, it's almost always in the conference championship round. It's almost always in the next round. So this is one of those like really special kind of matchups that's typically reserved for an AFC championship game or an NFC championship game. There's there's no doubt that the weaknesses for each team, for the Bengals, it's their offensive line. For the Bills, it's Josh Allen's turnovers. Josh Allen's a strength, but his turnovers, and it's just which, which one of those are going to be a bigger problem in this game on Sunday. You're going with the Bills. You think yeah. the Bengals' offensive line is going to be a bigger problem. I'm going with the Bengals just because I, I, I'm worried Josh Allen is going to make a crucial mistake, and I, I just Man, there's something about Joe Burrow in a moment like this. I believe he will dig deep and he will have a really, really good because he's not playing the Ravens. Man, the Ravens kind of mess with the Bengals' head. They're not playing the Ravens. It's the Bills. I think he'll be able to play a little more like Joe Burrow. That's why I'm yeah, going with them. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, there's no question. I mean, against against teams in the North, the AFC North, he's got 13 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Against everybody else, he's got 23 touchdowns and three interceptions. So he's much better. He's four and three against the North, nine and one against everybody else. He's much better when he doesn't play the teams in his division. He has that Andy Reid thing. I was looking for this, and I, I wrote this down. He's 28 and five coming off the bye, including playoff games in his career. 28 and Five. Now, if you only include the games where he's had Patrick Mahomes, he's even better. He's nine and one off the bye. Wow, nine and one off the bye with Patrick Mahomes. So this is a bye. Um, so I would think that this is heavily favored for Kansas City. Oh yeah, they are heavily, heavily favored in this. It would be one of the all-time great recent upsets in the history of the NFL playoffs if the Jags were able to go to Kansas City. And beat that team. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. Again, the schedule. Uh, you've got Kansas City taking on Jacksonville. That's a 2.30 game tomorrow. The Eagles host the Giants tomorrow night. That's a 6.15 game tomorrow. Then on Sunday, Bengals-Bills. That's a 1 o'clock game Arizona time. Cowboys 49ers is a 4.30 start time locally here in Arizona. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're getting to this tipping point with the Phoenix Suns. Help is soon on the way. Some of it arrived last night. Do the Suns have a clear direction at the trade deadline? That's a complicated question we'll try to answer next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. We're 20 or so days away from the NBA trade deadline, and I'm told since Matt Ishbia and and his announcement that he's going to take over the Suns' ownership has come out, uh, the Suns have actually informed teams that they're willing to move a first-round pick and and potentially take on salary long-term for good players and winning acquisitions. So to me, you're starting to begin to see the influence of the Matt Ishbia, Justin Ishbia regime and organization 
uh, and leadership under their ownership. Oh, Sham Sharania on Valley Sports. Um, I'm listening to that soundbite, and I, I, I mean, I just kind of had a thought. I mean, we've known Matt Ishbia is going to buy the team since what? Right before Christmas, right? Wasn't that when that news came out? I think I was, I think I was on my Christmas break, taking some time off at the station, and that was the week before when we knew. And, and that's what he's saying, you know, that we've known since Matt Ishbia is going to buy the team that the Suns are willing to do all this stuff. That actually kind of matches up with what you're saying about this. That James Jones has been saying this for a while now. We are willing to give up a first round draft pick. We're willing to take on salary if that's what it takes. That's it. Doesn't it? Almost feels like this isn't really new news when it comes to the Phoenix Suns and what they might do no, with the deadline. No, this is an, this is an old comment from James. You know, it's what he said in the past. And you know, if you can get a really good player, would they give up a draft pick? Sure. If you can get a really good player, would you take on salary? Sure. I mean, you know, if you could do that, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty common, right? I mean, if. You know, you, you pick a you pick a team with a with a really good player, and all of a sudden they want to move that player. You're like, yeah, I'll take him. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to give. Him, if you, you know, think about all the really good players that you know that if one of them became available, of course they would do that. That's common sense. But I just don't know that that player is out there right now. I think any player that is like for an unconditional, like you'll see, you might see some trades where I'll give you a first round pick. It's protected. It'll turn into two seconds if it's if it doesn't convey, and that happens a lot. I can see the Suns doing something like that where they know it's going to end up being two second round picks and not a first, but it gives the team that's making the trade an opportunity to say, oh, we got a first round pick. In the end, you're not going to get a first round pick, but it'll convey to two seconds. That stuff happens. That's that's something that they can look at. But the guy that, un, you know, you know, an, uh, a, a first round pick with no protection. I don't know that that guy becomes that guy comes available on the market. Yeah, and and if he does, then of course you want the Suns to pursue him. It's look, there's there's two, well, there's more than two, but there's two like main commodities you've got if you're the Suns, and you have to figure out how and when to spend them on. And commodity number one are are the draft picks, right? And you're, I think I read the other day. That there are seven teams in the NBA that have every single one of their first round picks available to trade. So, and the Suns are one of the seven, right? So you're in a position of strength right there. You're one of the few teams that if you feel like there's a player available and you want to give up a first round pick, you've got like a full inventory to use. You've got to spend that carefully. Do you, do you spend it now? Do you spend it later? Does a player become available now? Or do you want to save those picks for a player later, maybe in the offseason that can really reshape the organization yes. for another run? at it right and I know I know that's yeah. that's the answer for you I, I'm still kind of waiting and seeing who's available at the deadline in 20 days like I I, I wouldn't mind it if they spent it on that guy at the deadline, depending on who the guy is and, and what he, how he kind of changed the dynamic of the team. I'm not all for just waiting till the end. The other thing is the money. And if you take on a player at the deadline this year and he's under contract next year or the year after that, you better be damn sure about that guy, right? Like you better be sure that that guy is a player you want, a player you're comfortable paying, a comfortable that you, a player that you think is going to be a part of your short term future over the next couple of years because he's you're going to be paying him instead of somebody else. You know, you're going to be you're going to have him on the payroll instead of somebody else who might be able to help you. You've got to be sure about your picks. You've got to be sure about your money because if you're committing to anything long term, that guy's got to be a part of the next window of Suns basketball. And that's where James has to be thoughtful about how he's going to handle all this. 
It's so hard, right? Because there are trades that you could make where you would add a player, but he might have two years left on his deal, three years left on his deal. Where with Jay, you get that money back, like that 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 contract expires. So, you know, if and if you're not sure because you don't you haven't seen the team go through the player front to see what you need and what you want to do, you might be better off just getting. I'm going to give you my expiring player. You give me your expiring player. You need a physical guy. I need a shooter. Or you know, you just you know you you you, you work with another team to make that trade. The problem is that the teams that are trading players, the bad teams, they don't really want an expiring you know, player back. That's not going to help them. You're a bad team and you're out of it. What the hell do you want Jay Crowder for? You don't want Jay Crowder. And the good teams that may say, yeah, I could use Jay Crowder. They're not going to give you anything that's going to that's gonna hurt them. If they've got a player that's playing 20 minutes a game and playing pretty decently off the bench, that's, it is. It's hard for, you know, it's, it's hard. It's been, that's why it's been so hard to make a trade. And we're coming towards the end of January and there's no trade right now. Yeah, there's been one trade in the NBA so far this year. One, and and I think that for for impatient Suns fans who are wondering why the Suns haven't made a deal, I, I think that's you know that's probably the first thing I would say in response. Man, there's been one trade around the whole NBA so far. Now I know that's going to pick up here in the next couple of weeks. The trade deadline is three weeks from yesterday, and I know that it makes. It doesn't make any sense for the Suns to get nothing out of Jay Crowder. They have to trade him. They're going to trade him. They're going to get something for nothing. I hope they haven't made a mistake in doing something sooner with Jay and kind of overplaying their hand a little bit with Jay, thinking they were going to get more. It does them no good to get nothing for Jay Crowder. So they'll trade him in three weeks. I, I just think... A lot of this decision kind of goes into uh, it, it goes beyond Jay, right? Do I do I sign? Do I trade for a player who's got multiple years left on his deal? Do I give up first round draft picks to go get a player? In order for you to do that, you have to believe in your ability to go for it this year, to win it this year, to think the player is going to make enough of a difference this year to win a championship. And that's a hard thing to judge right now with the Suns when you're missing all your dudes because of injury, right? Like it's yeah. really hard to figure out if you're James. Do I have a championship team that is worth that level of investment right now? How are you supposed to know that no. when looking at the Phoenix That's Suns right now? Blind faith is what it would be. Be blind faith. I think it would be a mistake. I think that's why I think there's a middle ground here. Don't go all in. Don't go all out. You're not blowing anything up. You're also not going all in for a player. What you're doing is you're getting everybody back healthy. You make a minor move or two to kind of strengthen your bench. And then you let the chips fall where they may. You, you run the guys out there, and you see if Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Torrey Craig, Damian Lee, you see if you can win. See if you can win. I mean, is there is there a clear-cut favorite in the Western Conference no. right now? No. No, and that's what lends credence to the idea that if the Suns can get everybody back healthy, maybe they can go on a run. Because there isn't. I think Denver's the closest thing. To a, they look good. To yeah, a clear-cut favorite. They look good. Are are they that much better than everybody else? Are they on some pedestal where they can't be reached? Are they the Milwaukee Bucks of the East? Or I, I mean, I don't think they're that good. The Pelicans, they're flawed. But that's why, like, that's why you just you you don't do anything crazy because you haven't had a chance to evaluate your team healthy for a long period of time. You don't know. 
You just don't know. You know, we saw some early indications, and based on the early indications, I would say that this is not a championship-caliber team, so I wouldn't go all in. That doesn't mean to say that you get everybody back and they start playing well and other teams suffer an injury or something. Yeah, I mean, could you beat Memphis in a series? I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, they're good, but they're young. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to, you might be able to beat, can you beat New Orleans? That might be tough, but again, they don't, they got some experience against you last year, but they don't know juggernaut. The Golden State Warriors, they've got a losing record right now, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So, like, it's, you know, and Draymond Green's taking a lot of the blame. It's his, his did he say, like, his fault why yep. they played so that's, poorly? That's what he suggested. Yep. That's what he suggested. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I think you get everybody healthy and just roll with it. Don't make a big trade either way. Don't make a big trade to get rid of players. Don't make a big trade to add players. The Cardinals coaching search carries on. The latest news surrounding the position and the search and what's going to happen this weekend. We'll get you completely caught up on that next on the Burns and Gambo show.